0: Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson.
1: This is Low Torrest, Commander of the Cure. This
0: is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story
1: behind the song is
2: back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more.
1: Music world moves fast. Want to stay up to date on the latest albums and get in-depth examinations with the artists? Check out Consequence of Sound, the podcast, bite-sized album reviews for the music fan on the go who wants to stay in the know, and much more. Subscribe to the series on iTunes or your favorite podcast provider, and let the writers of Consequence of Sound steer you right. Check it out at consequenceofsound.net slash cospodcast.
2: Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith With. It's an audio interview series presented by WFPK Independent Louisville at WFPK.org consequence of sound and the consequence podcast network take a second before we get started here to hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening from Uh, whether you're checking us out on youtube on spotify you can follow along there as well or wherever you get your favorite podcasts from you can subscribe there too that way you can keep up with all of the interviews that we put out every single week here i'm kyle meredith today my guest is richard ashcroft of course you know him as the lead singer of the verve He's had that solo career that's going for nearly 20 years now, and we're going to be talking about his latest record called Natural Rebel. It's a record that he says is for the fans. We're going to get into exactly what that means. There's also a lot of talk about riffs on this record. Uh, The song Money, Money, we'll get into a deep dive and how that song has a connection back to the uh, lawsuits that happened after The Verve's big hit, Bittersweet Symphony. It's an impassioned interview from a very impassioned artist. It's Kyle Meredith with Richard Ashcroft. Hi Kyle, how you doing, sir? Thanks You're for right?
0: doing this. I'm trying. No worries. It's yeah. Good.
2: Congratulations on. Yeah, I can uh...
0: make it there. I can make it anywhere. Can I? <laughs> America is that? It's the home of show business, isn't it? <laughs> I, I guess so I,
2: I don't know if I would count Kentucky as the place that where you would go to make it but I, I certainly appreciate it all the same
0: I read Hunter S. Thompson reports on that area sounds quite an interesting place it's
2: true he is a, he's from this town and uh, as well as I don't know Muhammad Ali and a bunch of Ooh. other folks so we, we got our we got our
0: exactly yeah, he, had a, he did a good report on the races down there I remember reading that when I was a young lad that oh, was yeah. hilarious on, his, on the Kent Derby I think he did a report on that that was interesting oh, yeah. but uh, yeah man yeah go for it fire away and I'll answer as many as I can or not. I'll just move on. If something's boring, we'll just, we'll just hit the boring button there. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, in all seriousness, congratulations on Natural Rebel. What what a fun record this is. It's been a great listen, man. really has. Thank you very much. You know, I, I'd start out because you, you said something right at the beginning, and I feel like a lot of people have glossed over this, because right from the beginning, you said this record, it's for the fans. And I feel like that sets a template in a certain way, like give the people what they want. D- does that, you know, direct the you mindset know, never, going in? When
0: I say it's for the fans, it's for the fans in a sense of number one music when you pass it on to the next listener to a person to anyone to anyone's brain their story their internal emotions you no longer know what that sounds like what it represents to the listener and when it comes to a fan of an artist you know what i wanted to separate here is let's separate the deliberators let's separate the chin scratches let's separate All the bullshitters who've never written a damn song in their lives from people who simply listen and appreciate music. This is for those people. This isn't a record for any motherfucking analytical brain who wants to sit down and tell me and give me a thesis on why they or she or he could do a better job than me, yeah? This is for... The fucking fans. This is for people who listen and they come with a completely open and ready-to-be-lifted, open-heart, positive people. That, and I don't mean fans in, a, in an unhealthy way. I mean just appreciators people. So when Rolls Royce or Enzo Ferrari had a new model, when Pininfarini did the bodywork and they unveiled it ultimately, you know, it, it's for themselves, but it's for the admirers of their work. It's not about, you know, what Lamborghini thinks of it. It, it doesn't really matter to me what the critic from auto express thinks about it. Cause I'm Enzo Ferrari, right? There is a lot of thought and feeling and emotion and everything that goes into my music and, uh, um, but ultimately, the only if anyone beyond me is for it's actually for the it's for the fans that when I toured the world for the first time, having a number of years off, they completely reignited my hunger for that connection again between um, a writer and his audience. And you know what it is 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 because my fans they don't get led there like lambs to the slaughter. They don't get that i am not the flavor of any month right because i'll never be the flavor of the month because if you're in fashion you're out of fashion if you're in time you're out of time everything works in a opposite mindset with me yeah, yeah. so i'm never in fashion which, thank God, I'm never in fashion. Do you know what I mean? But what it means is my fans never have the big corporate push, the huge, big advertising campaign. My fans have found me over the years through the power of the songs, through word of mouth. So they're great fans to have. This is a solid relationship. This isn't built on just flavor of the month. Bullshit, you know? So that's why I kind of dedicated it to them because ultimately beyond me, what am I? I'm just a guy who writes songs, who listens to them himself. I'm a guy who plays concerts in empty rooms. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I played a show in a very famous place in Glasgow called the Barrowlands. And basically that's probably the last time I'll play this place, but it's a very famous concert hall. And I signed a load of stars for the fans as they came in because I wanted to make the point that we all talk about these places, these mythical concerts, halls, and these. Bands and artists who played these mythical shows, but without the audience, it's just a guy tossing off on a stage somewhere. Do you know what I mean? Right, right. Without the night, without the audience, without someone working hard to afford a concert ticket to have is, to be part of that 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 feeling, there was no great night. So often, I think the fans, as it were, they, it's always been a word that's tossed around like some funny little oh, the fans, but they are they are the future. They are the, all. We've got as an artist, you, you, you're people who appreciate you. Because I tell you what, in this day and age, you have got have millions of people who don't appreciate what you do. That's certainly true. You better appreciate the people who. Do. Well, I
2: was, I was thinking, you know, like when you're when you're writing like that. When you, when you just kind of have that mantra. I mean, it's it seems like to me anyway. It would take the pressure and the weight off of what you could do with an album. Like I think I think some people, and and maybe maybe I'm probably looking towards you know what I've read critically on this that this was not These People Part 2. And maybe it was important that it wouldn't be These People Part 2.
0: Yeah, I just don't even think... I mean, ultimately, I'm working on multi... My musical mind doesn't even put me in a genre. It's other people's minds that put me in a box. It's their insecurity. It's their lack of understanding of, of music ultimately I'm involved in music most people are involved in something completely differently and that includes of course the critics because ultimately it takes death unfortunately in this game for people like me to be appreciated I, but I understand that I'm a connoisseur I'm a PhD of this whole culture I'm part of it I'm a writer I mean, I enjoy it, I'm a listener. I understand this culture better than most people. You know, I understand hip hop culture most better than most people. It's just music to me. Hip hop's rock and roll, rock and roll's hip hop. It's the same spirit, but um, you know, things move on. So right at the moment I'm working on, a, on an album that's a completely different Sonic palette but to me I'm not even thinking about it that way, it's just the way it goes, you know what I mean this record was done with some great people in a fantastic studio that you know, the Stones recorded a couple of albums on in the 70s, it's a great old desk all the gear works perfectly and also I believe that gimmickry in music has got to such an extent that when you listen to a song like in my life or a classic Beatles song or just a great well performed song from back in the day, you realise that there was no gimmick, it was just the melody the song, the lyric, that's what the song was about and everything else was less is more. Now we've gone into instant gimmickry and I thought something like Birds Fly and songs of that nature, That's How Strong takes it back to a more time where you'd imagine Otis Redding singing That's How Strong or Elvis or, you know, a time where the vocal and the melody and the lyric and the emotion led the song, not the gimmick, not the tune, or not this, that and the other, you know, because once the autotune's turned off, a lot of these guys are going to have no personality. Right. They're going to have nothing left. You know what I mean? Right, right. So that's why, you know, Lil Wayne's lucky that he established his voice prior to auto-tune, you know what I'm saying? But if you're one of those rappers who have just depended on that, the day auto-tune becomes like disco
1: <laughs>
0: is the day that you've lost your character. So an album like this is much more... I, I, I first wrote Birds Fly a number of years ago and I always felt like it was a, a Buddy Holly influence song, you know? And I think it's about being real about yourself, what you're into. So ultimately, you know could go either way. One, one day I do feel like I want to make a record with no human other than myself. It with all synthetic instruments but right now it's easy to be synthetic it's much harder to be real it's much harder just to open your voice and sing without any anything on it it's much harder just to sit with a instrument and express yourself without synthesizing it fucking it up now that was all interesting x amount of years ago but now it's kind of become a, a thing where it's kind of boring if you understand right. it's like- kind of boring where like i was hungering for something a little more real as in even the sound of the vocals anything you know i was looking for and that's not authenticity or roots, it's just lack of pretence, really, just right here's the song, this is how it starts, here's this in great vo, you know something I say a song like that that's how strong you know I've not heard a song like that for a long time because people don't even really. To attempt to write shit like that anymore. You know what I mean? I
2: yeah, think go. that's what uh, a little bit of the, um, you know, the the shock when you first hear that record is, because you hear these great songs, like That's How Strong, Surprised by the Joy, and, you know, there's a lot of folks writing thematically about you know, more sociological or, or you know, the bad stuff, what's going on in the world anyway, and this is sort of like a, a in a lot of sense, like a love album, and uh, I'm not trying to categorize it too much, but there are a lot of love songs on here, in a time where a lot of people aren't Absolutely. writing that, and I think oh, that's right what a sticker shock is.
0: single of a musician and artist, it seems, is, is jumping on the divisive nature of, every. you know, a lot of political things that are going on. And I'm like, has no one read about Bob Marley. Has no one seen the shit he had to go through in Jamaica to try and bring, like, the country or the, these, you know, this was life and death. And, like, he understood the power of music and the gift that was given to him and where it came from. And he understood that he can't use that to separate people. You can only really use it to bring people together. Yeah. So, to see music Music and music people, industry people, using the power of music in order to divide people is something that actually angers me greatly. You know, I can't describe how it upsets me because I always thought that to truly be involved in music, that you you you, you couldn't you couldn't really have many isms left, you know. Because you'd already admired a wonderful female artist. You'd already realized that, wow, some of the greatest music of all time came from black American culture, you know. And it just keeps going on and getting better and different and moving and improvising and growing. So to suddenly be in a world where everyone's got a quote about something, it's usually filled with fear. And ultimately, after that fearful comment of devices coming from an actor or a singer or whoever, who actually know nothing about the whole structure of this game, they're just, unfortunately, pawns in it. They, we know that. Well, I do. But um, unfortunately for them, they're just pawns in it. They think they're on, always think they're on the right side, you see. But what they're forgetting is, is like, normal people, you know, when they go and see a show or. When they get a record, you know, there there is a lot of transcendence involved. You need music that echoes, of course, the basic human condition, but also transcendence is important. Many elements are important when you, uh, music is part of your, you know, entertainment, your escapism, your back, you know, and of course I think about it in a much different person to I did before I made it, etc. But still, everyone is misunderstanding the power of it and also the power of it to transform not only the maker and the creator of it but the listener and the community around them and basically the reason why they don't understand it is because they it's been so diluted that they don't even realize it's there
2: yeah there's a there's a lyric i'll bring up real quick in money money because you said your riffs do nothing at all is that sort of what you're hitting at right there
0: yeah exactly riffs you know even in a sense of you know you know at the end of it it 's really almost i wanted to I wanted to make that outro like uh, guitar like Steve Wyman, the guy from Oakland, a good friend of mine who plays the lead at the end. You know we know about guitar and he he 's lived through the hip hop situation he played with uh, Lauren Hill when he was a young guy he's he 's played with many people, but he 's also played environments where they don 't really sonically understand the guitar anyway, but it 's there as a token gesture, yeah so when he meets someone like me when we were recording the album United Nations of Sound, and suddenly I know more about guitar than anyone he's ever worked with and appreciate it, and want it sounding loud, and want the wow wow on it, and want it to sound like Funkadelic, and etc., cetera, etc., cetera, suddenly. You're meeting kindred spirits. But not only that, what I wanted to leave was with money, money. Okay, rock world, you carry on the way you're going, and you are disappearing off the cliff, right? Rock and roll is killing itself because it doesn't even understand itself. It's now just a dilution, you know, Kurt Cobain was the end of it, the story to a certain extent, you know? And when I was making things like Bittersweet Symphony, I was saying to myself and also, you know, anyone who heard it, look, rock and roll is a spirit. Now, if I want to sample something and create a hip-hop rock and roll anthem, it's still rock and roll, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's even more rock and roll because what it is, again, it's another white English kid influenced by hip-hop, sampling some fucking white English guys influenced by black blues guys. And it goes on and on and on. But sonically, what I'm saying at the end with Money Money is that you lot are just a a Xerox of a Xerox of a Xerox of a Xerox of a Xerox. You don't even know how to reach source point. You've never been there. Base camp is somewhere you never even went. You just went from A to F to whatever, to arena tour, to this, to corporate, to that. You don't even know what it feels like to be in a 45 minute jam with some musicians and reach some kind of spot where you're all trans. You don't even know that. You don't even know what that feels like because you ain't even a musician. So before we toured these last few shows that I had to cancel because of my virus, at one point I'm like, sod this, I got this new riff. So I played this riff for 55 minutes with the musicians. And at one point I said, this is music. You need to be invited. Because anyone can pick, and that's the beauty of music. It's like a football. you can Anyone can kick a ball around, you know, and that's the beauty of it. Anyone can bang a drum, but not everyone's Keith Moon. Not everyone's like James Brown. Not everybody's a this, not everybody's a that. They don't, they don't go into these places that take not only a tremendous amount of hours, but it's also a, a spiritual thing as well where you have to let yourself go as a musician to, to go to be there, to get to this hallowed place where it's not what the music business thinks it's about. And when you let freaks like me take charge for a bit, then we take over, we do a bit of Sweet Symphony. But the thing for someone like a Dre or someone like that, they live in LA. The center of entertainment is over there. I live in England. So now and again, you know, us guys can compete on a world level, but it's very difficult for us to sustain a world level domination thing when we don't even fucking live in the country that's pumping it all out. You know what I mean? But I'm saying, sonically, I just thought, you know what? I might just give it the last final guitar, hurrah, driving a 120 mile an hour track. You know, I ain't heard one of them for about 30 years. You know, that sounds actually like guitar, like fucking real. Falls out, but not poodle rock shit, not heavy metal shit, none of that shit. Like, we just missed that whole era out and we just fucking landed at the back of that sweet spot where the fucking stooges are jamming with Jimi Hendrix, fucking whatever. This beautiful big stew, you got the fucking Slime the Family Stone backing singers in the background, you've got Jim Morrison losing his fucking mind in the vocal booth talking to fucking Alan Klein and Alan Klein Cl- and fucking. Mr. Junior now is taking over that company. And I'm saying, man, I'm coming for that money. You know, someone stole like 50, God knows how much million dollars off me in 1997 and they still got it. And in, you know, in terms, in normal basic terms, I don't care where you come from, that's serious matter. Do you know what I'm saying? So I'm telling him as well, I'm telling Alan Klein Jr. I'm telling him, I'm coming for my money, man. (laughs) You know, when his dad was around, it's like, people could, you know, people couldn't intimidate people by being a gangster. Right. In the music industry. or You know, basically, unfortunately, for anyone who takes over that business, we now live in a world where anyone can be a gangster. Anyone could be a gangster, you know, anyone could be a virtual gangster, you could be a gangster in whatever way you want, you can phone two phone calls, you can find a gangster, everyone's a gangster, so there's no gangster fucking attitude normal. more, there's no fear with this shit, with like, you know, some big figure, you know, it makes me laugh when I hear about these big managers from the 70s and stuff, it's like, get out of here, you wouldn't, you wouldn't last five minutes these guys now, because... It's a different world now, and obviously, ever anyone who would work for that company would know that. That obviously, once this like thing is um, starts resolving or doesn't, this is what this song's about. It's a direct message, not only to the people who claim to be in guitar bands or, or anything affiliated with rock or whatever that you're fucking fantastically boring you are pale imitations you, you don't even deserve to be like given that mantle for, uh, this is my feeling I get from a lot of them you know that's why sometimes I can't even be half starting with my acoustic guitar sometimes it's like fucking hell man I'm just another guy starting a tune with acoustic guitar I might come and shoot myself if you're not careful you know what I'm saying because the other ones have done it so boringly that they've even making it tough for me to do it because they've done it so bad I'm like shit I know I'm going to do it well I am known better than everyone and all that crap, but shit, you've done such a bad job, I'm kind of semi-ashamed of being in the fucking, you know what I mean? That's how bad a job they've been doing. So they let the button, they dropped the baton. They all became like, you know, sort of bad sort of Euro dance rock bands and stuff, whatever the fuck, whichever way the wind blows, they blow, you know? So they, they're all fakes and uh, they've earned lots of money, all of them, and good luck to one, but they ain't me. They're not fucking the real deal. They're not fucking Liam, not Johnny Cash, not Stone Rose, not the Clash, not the Pistols. They're not, I'm nothing. No ones, just easy fodder, churning out what their people want them to say, never saying anything, fucking particularly interesting because that's just what you need to be now in the modern age you need to be a blank canvas in order for every person individual then can project whatever they'd like onto your blank dumb face yeah I, I, that's where i'm at
2: yeah i'll only uh, tie something loosely together a minute ago because you mentioned Klein, and i don't want to get into all that i know it's been well said and everything or a lot said um but when hey, I listen... To- I'm,
0: I'm happy to. I'm happy for you to use the medium to get the message out to his company. Yeah, man. But like, listen to the last... Put that song on, on Natural Rebel. Turn it on in the APCO office really loud. And just check that little bit of energy out in the last three minutes, yeah? Just harness that for yourselves. Get in your nice car that my song probably bought. And on the way back to see your yoga guru, just check out the end of that album and think about that. Think about stealing $50 million off a guy and that that guy's still alive on an island somewhere over there and that you're over there, yeah? And I got millions of fans and people all over the fucking world, man. And I'm like, wow, you you bold. You lot of bold motherfuckers. You don't even put the song on your website, you're so damn ashamed of it yeah. you know? So I'm happy to go there, brother, you can print anything you fucking like. Because you know why? I'm a free fucking individual. And to me, they're just like, you know, a legacy from a guy who came from another era who managed to somehow take away 50% of one of the greatest songs of all time from its author and get away with it for 20 years, you know? So I'm cool with it, man. I think anyone, unless you are mentally ill, would always remember the day when $50 million was stolen off them. It doesn't matter if it was 20 years later or five or 50. It's the concept of gangster. I had something of mine which was worth 50 million hundred... It'll go on forever. It's taken from me by a guy from New York. That's all I know. And there's a little proxy piece of paper. And you're telling me that's enough. So I'm cool, man. That's why I got the great. I got a great picture of it. I got. I got so much action coming. It's gonna be so funny. I would love to. Basically, if I was them, I would sign for a real life sort of TV show at Abco Records over the next few years because it's gonna be so funny. Some of their internal meetings on how they like handle this shit. Because at the end of the day, they're just people going to work. A most of the people they work with are dead anyway. You know what I mean? It's like the Rolling Stones don't even have the balls to fucking have it. It's like, does it take me on my own to fucking do it? Rolling Stones can't even fucking have Abco. You know what I'm saying? That's how fucking, that's how fucking bizarre it's got. You got like a super fucking big Mac truck and they don't even want to turn left and run over the bug. They don't even want to go turn left. And I, but I'm like, yeah, I'm happy now. I understood basically. I was just looking at a certain situation that happened a few weeks ago and I'm like, okay, I get it. I understand what's necessary now. So it's interesting you brought that up because ultimately it's all part of the same story. It's like, I realized I filtered it down what had happened back in 97. I filtered it down to its raw essence. A gangster stole 50% of something that's worth at least $100 million already. So that, you know, at least, so, you know, I'm never going to forget that. Fortunately, I was just broke. That's all I learned. You know, if it wasn't, if I wasn't watching religious epics, I was watching Scarface. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, this is beautiful for me. This part of my life story is doing good because it's part of this epic story, which starts with the staple singers, which starts again with the story of music and the story of the manipulation and the... And the kind of outright just, you know, like I say, the dilution of the spirit, the capturing of the spirit, the marketing of the spirit, the death of the spirit, the reawakening of the spirit, not only personally, but as a a genre, as a community that we are no longer going to be used as little pawns in some pathetic little political bullshit game because we're actually we hold the keys to something way more powerful. It's just that, you know, if you don't realize you got the keys, then you don't realize you got the keys. You know what I'm saying? But it ain't the young people, you know, it's the young people who are going to smash the door through as usual, you know? And that's why I always look at it, Bob. I always look at where it's going. What's happening in that culture? Has that got saturated to the point where they can't even find a way through? Or what's happening? Do you know what I'm saying? So there's always innovation sonically that's going on. Don't get me wrong. And there's great people around the world, but unfortunately the great ones don't get heard at the moment because don't fit into the caricature. We don't fit the archetype. That's why Natural Rebel won't be doing any business in America. That's why no one's going to hear about it. That's why no one will hear these hugely catchy songs because I don't fit the type, man. And I'm cool with that. Because if you fit the type too much in 2018, you better worry about yourself. You uh, better look in the mirror. You're like, shit, I'm so 2018. Well, you must be a dumb motherfucker then.
2: I love what you're doing, Richard. I really do. And Natural Rebel. I mean, we're going to be playing it here, so uh, I appreciate talking That's to you. I love and hearing this record. I love keeping you and
0: take care. All right, you take care and too. Love to everyone there, take care, mate. All bye right. Bye. bye.
2: My thanks to Richard Ashcroft. And again, the new record is called Natural Rebel. I'll also point out, just as a personal aside, uh, this is the 10th anniversary of the final album from The Verve called Fourth, and I love that record. And if you haven't listened to that record in a while, I think it sort of got looked over a bit too much in the uh, in the States here when it was released. Uh, go back and check out that record as well. And if you haven't already, please do hit that subscribe button that's right in front of you. Uh, whether you're checking us out on Spotify, on YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast from, follow along there as well after that you can head over to wfpk.org that's where i do a show every monday through thursday from noon to three eastern where you can also find some bonus episodes of this series i'm kyle meredith i'll see you next time